0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast where we shine a light on the complexities and challenges surrounding the importance of human behavior on cybersecurity and compliance. That's right, we're talking about people being at the center of information security and data protection, and the challenges of engaging users to create change in their behavior. This is Beyond the Firewall. Thank you for joining us. My name's David McClelland and today we are going to be lifting the lid on insider cyber threats and how to be wary of the dangers that lurk within. And speaking of threat and danger, let's meet today's guests. As always, Metacompliance CEO and author of Cybersecurity for Dummies, Robbie O'Brien. Hello, Robbie. Hi, David. Delighted to
1: be here today discussing the subject. It's a good
0: one. Yeah, looking forward to this one, as is, well, I hope he is, today's extra special guest, cyber security specialist at ESET, Jake Moore. Hello, Jake. Pleased to meet you on here. Tell us a bit about you and your work. Great.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. Yes, so I do work for ESET, which is uh, an antivirus and internet security company, and I advise people and their businesses on how to stay safer online, how to help their employees. Now, my background before ESET is uh, is a whole 14 years with Dorset Police. I used to investigate computer crime in the digital forensics unit, and then I joined the cybercrime team. So I know a little bit about how these criminals operate.
0: And frequently on our telly boxes on the news, (laughs) commenting on breaking cyber security stories as well. Jake, great to have you here. So today we are focusing on those cyber threats that come from within. And traditionally, cyber security has been about securing the perimeter, hasn't it? Building and guarding those big walls, keeping the bad actors out and trusting that what goes on in the castle stays in the castle however as we all know today's cyber security landscape is not that simple there can be a bad apple in any barrel and even your good eggs might unwittingly let out or let in a bad smell so Robbie do the threats from within demand as much attention today as the threats from without
1: so it's interesting you use the castle analogy i think that our audience is charged with manning the wall as it, as it were keeping you know bad actors from going and taking essentially you know very valuable assets information assets stealing money and essentially damaging brand, which is a big, big thing with our customers. And they have people inside, wittingly or unwittingly, most times unwittingly, where they provide information that provides a a starting point for where that person is in their journey. And interestingly, we had a a new start who published that they were starting the company. And within an hour, they were on the receiving end of a a spear phishing attack, asking them to go and uh, buy vouchers and, and uh, on the behalf of a particular director. And interestingly, uh, because we have a, an organization full of lovely people, because they weren't receiving end of the actual email, they, they decided to help. So we're quite shocked at how quickly our own people got involved mm-hmm. in helping out essentially a bad actor. So you you just cannot stay on top of this. Um, so the threat from within is essentially there because that's how the outside interests exploit and improve their position. I think historically, you have all these castles, but if someone comes and opens the back gate and lets the bad guys in, it doesn't matter how many people you have on on the walls. Uh, You've been breached it's very, very similar, I think, these days.
0: Yeah, and you look at any social media, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter, you know, personal news, personal announcement, I've got a new job, you know, it's something to celebrate. And it's something that particularly on professional social networking sites, we, we do, we, we see a lot of, but criminals know that and want to take advantage of it. And, and Jake, I think one of the other things that has changed is that concept of outside and inside. And that old castle analogies broken, particularly over the last couple of years, given that so many of us are working remotely, flexibly from, from wherever. There is a very different concept of who the insiders are and who the outsiders are, I think.
2: Well, that's the thing. I, I love the idea of the insider threat because it, it's just so full of, of of difficulty to actually find who that person is. We all know someone wanting to, to break into a building might be leaving evidence behind. And they're actually going out to break into that building, leaving fingerprints, footprints or whatever. But the insider threat is already in there. They've been allowed into the company, but they've just got a a different agenda. Now, that might not be their agenda from the start. They might have actually changed their mind throughout. They might have been coerced by someone through forums, maybe bringing in the dark web. There are forums that are looking out for people maybe even recruiting through, like you say, those social networks such as LinkedIn, looking for people that might be able to be turned into these bad eggs because they're already in there. I mean, you look at the biggest bank robberies of the last few years, these digital heists, I should say, they've tended to have someone already on the inside that can just flip a switch or or do something that you can't do remotely that might just be completely secluded. So having those people on the inside incredibly difficult to find. And and whenever you do training at the start, no one's going to put their hand up and say, well, it, that might be me. I know that in the police force, we used to be vetted to a high level, looking at us to see if we might be, could they really push our hand into uh, taking bribes, for example, maybe looking into our financial past. But there's only so much you can really do with that. So really, it's about discussion and making people aware of those things to look for. But if you're talking about working from home, it's difficult to go and see what your colleagues are up to these days. So much of us are working from home at least one day a week, maybe up to five days a week. And so we can't always see what our colleagues are up to. They could simply be just taking photos of their screens because they might have software on there, but they can take a photo on their phone and simply send that off to whoever's requesting it. So yeah, difficult area.
0: There's another term I want to throw into this conversation at this point, Robbie, because you know we talk about this securing the perimeter and trusting that what stays inside is, is all safe as a very old way of talking about cybersecurity. But in, in recent times, when we talk about that model, we talk about this zero trust concept so we can trust what goes on within the castle just just talk us through that a little bit
1: so i I think that you've got a lot of concepts from you know uh, security by design where you set out with security in the forefront of your mind which in actual fact is really really good concept but Knowing software developers, it's easier to go cut code and, and become agile and and have a minimal viable product. And, and security is seen as a thing that slows that down. So that's a real problem. The issue is, I suppose, a little bit contrary to the sort of modern view of, of how we act in, in the workplace. And I think for this subject of insider threat, our audience of, of CISOs and, and IT professionals have a particularly difficult problem, which is you're saying that we have bad apples in, in the organization. And if you have a sizable group of people, it is naive to think that they're all angels. It, it just is it is indulging in wishful thinking. And we're changing a historical sort of approach to the way we deal with, with society. And from my perspective, the zero trust is critical because it is a proper way to approach a best practice cybersecurity, information security, environment concepts like least privilege, where you know you only get access to information if you need to have access or are deemed to have the, the correct level. And that is I suppose, again, in contrary to our modern society where everything's open, you know, here's what I eat for my dinner on Friday night. Here's my friends and I'm tagged and I'm into different uh, areas. You know, almost the, the old fuddy-duddy concept of controls within a security environment are contrary to a modern working from home hybrid environment. And interestingly, I think the problem with the, the lockdowns and COVID in the last two years is that it has made this problem outrageously difficult because not only do you have the insider threat from a security perspective, but in the organization, in the, in the offices that particularly regulated environments where they had particular departments that had, you know, keypad access, only certain people get it at cabinets. Now you have all those workers in their own home. So you have like the extended insider threat or the the home insider threat because you don't know if the controls, those compliance controls that all those industries, the financial services industries and so on, uh, the healthcare industry that they rely on, that they're actually being carried out. So if you, you bring compliance into the zero trust thing and you bring working from home, it is a really difficult subject for our audience to deal with. And to be quite honest with you, I haven't heard anybody give me a satisfactory solution to it, other than we go back into the office and we do it the way Mm -hmm. we did it before. I don't even think the systems or the customs exist just right now to deal with it. So I think we're in for a period of a lot of pain and a lot of scrambling to try and and deal with it.
0: But of course, Jake, what the bad actors very often are after here, why they're trying to get in or get some people on the inside to act as their puppets from the outside. They're after the data, aren't they? You know, We're talking about insider and outsider threats people, but this data itself has almost become transient that it can float from inside and outside as well, which also makes it very difficult to pin down.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you want to keep... I mean, it's like the crown jewels. It's exactly what they're after. They can use that to extort the amount of money or they can go and sell it on the dark web. And if it's within a a short amount of time, that can be thousands, even millions of pounds... This is a very dangerous time that we're living in because this data, like you say, can just very quickly seep out through all different channels. And there are some highly automated operations that are able to, to make this happen. And it's causing the difficulty for law enforcement. So especially coming from a law enforcement background, I know what it's like to try and find that evidence on said machines, but it's, it's increasingly more difficult. And not only that, you've got the public who are there out trying to make sense of what's going on and questioning the police, saying, oh, come on, why haven't you found who's done this? It can't be that hard, can it? Well, of course, it can be. Mm,
0: indeed, indeed it can. So I guess the most obvious insider threats are the deliberate bad actors, those bad apples who whatever their motivation might be, are are leaking logins, this customer data, the crown jewels we're speaking about. So I guess the first question is, what can we do to protect against those? Because surely, Robbie, even the most effective cybersecurity awareness training in the world will only be of limited success if you've got people who've got malicious intent from within.
1: Definitely. I think if you have, you know, malice, a forethought, you're in trouble however it comes to your culture and you have to sensitize your audience your staff to realize that they are key players in defending the crown jewels or key key defenders in in ensuring that you know the corporate reputation the business isn't at the receiving end of of these quite dire consequences so uh, I think that people are part and parcel of the solution. Training has a big, big part to play, but it's in the tone of the organization that comes from the top. I, I think fundamentally one of the biggest changes that needs to happen is that businesses have to see this as a financial risk, not an IT <laughs> risk. The minute you, you change this from being you know, payloads and Encrypted uh, emails and and dark web, you cha- you change this to being uh, about bottom line hits, about reputational damage. You've just completely changed the, the narrative. So then, what that means is, well, what is your tolerance here as an organization? And and if if an organization, and this will take a long time, this isn't a, there's no easy fix. But once an organization clicks into it, they then go out to their staff members. And and they start doing everything possible to generate that level of attention to detail. I mean, the very simplest thing for me is where people feel empowered enough to stop a stranger at a front door and say, can I see your pass? Or are you supposed to be here? The vast majority of people don't do that because they're too nice and they don't feel empowered enough. And, And so it's not so much going, oh, you know, there's spies here. There's people that are problems. It's more trying to develop these proper yet paranoid behaviors that automatically protect the organisation,
0: and it's creating that that culture, that that team yeah. spirit, that you know a- everyone is in it together and, and plumping for the same team. That is absolutely key there, and very often that can only come from the top. That is something that that gets inspired by the leadership and pushed down, Jake. But surely you know it is difficult to spot those bad apples from within what 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 advice do you have to try and create that culture and to try and make sure that those bad apples either don't get in in the first place you spoke around vetting that you need when you enter certain professions there or to make sure that they're unable to act if they do manage to get in
2: Well, this is a difficult question that I think, and it depends on the size of the company at first. I mean, you speak to a lot of small businesses, maybe under 20 employees, and and they're saying, look, it's going to be pretty difficult to get a a bad egg into our company. And often I think, I don't know about that, but the more I see small companies, I realise how tight-knit they are, so they probably would notice it. But when we're talking about the bigger businesses, this is where they are really remote. Within their teams, they might have multiple bosses multiple colleagues and people who don't really know who they are especially in the since the pandemic people have started jobs and never met any of their colleagues and that's a, a huge point i can't imagine working with a company where i haven't physically met my colleagues i think i'd struggle with that but of course that's becoming more normal these days so it's a case of gamifying the whole awareness side of things not just the boring awareness of ticking through a load of boxes to make sure that you do know what a phishing email looks like. Have some fun with it. And in fact, recently I was with the Met police and they'd they'd gamified the escape rooms into a cybersecurity environment, which was fascinating. Even I learned something. Lots of people learned so much stuff and we all came away with it so excited.
0: And Robbie, this thing about creating, engaging cybersecurity awareness training, gamifying it, using whatever tools you have in your kit bag to engage the workforce. That's exactly what I know you've been banging on for for a very, very long time now.
1: Jake's right. The engagement aspect is critical. The reality of it is there is the ideal amount of training and participation that you would want from your staff, your employees, and then there's what they want to give, and they are at either end of the spectrum. And I've seen so many, not just cybersecurity uh, education programs, but education programs within the corporation, and particularly now with working from home, where they send out the email, and, and it's on a wish and a prayer that you would hope that people would click and consume that, that, that content. The average in the industry for for that type of content to be actually consumed is about 16%, which really is an enormous failure. Now, to get above 16%, you have to cajole people, you have to bonus managers to encourage them. A whole ecosystem arises around the training to actually get into significant figures where you've got a tipping point where actually you can say, well, the vast majority of people understand what's going on. The problem is you can't do that again and again and again. It's, it becomes exhausting. What, what is there to, to do? And, and for me, I think you have to recognize the world we live in at the minute where we consume what we want in a myriad of different forms, from Netflix to Instagram. And everybody now has personalized with methods of, of consuming the content they have their own profile on netflix now and you you know my documentaries is completely different from my partner's uh, sort of rom-coms likewise you know in in instagram the subjects that i'm interested in are going to be delivered to me mm. we have to provide education in the organization in a similar sort of way provide people with choice provide people importantly with rule based so there's no point giving techies a uh, training and education that is relevant to financial people and vice versa. And I think the more engaging, the more entertaining, the more that it sort of challenges people's minds, gamifies, if you will, the better chance you have of making an impact. My view is if you're not making an impact, if you're not actually going and making that extra step to get your people on board, really don't bother. All you're doing is annoying them. You know, cybersecurity for cybersecurity's sake is a waste of time. You have to try and get stuff that to the, to, uh, the individual that resonates with them, resonates with their role. But I think there's a big, big benefit in resonating with the team. The vast majority of employees don't want to let their team down. The vast majority of employees do not want to see their company in the news, as part of a breach. They don't yeah. want that embarrassment. And the the insider threat piece is a tiny minority. There is a bigger percentage that might be a little silly. They can be educated. But that sort of tiny majority, well, that's that's your Achilles heel, and um, mm. you just have to be watchful.
0: Would it be fair to say, then, Jake, that the biggest insider threat may not necessarily be malicious or deliberate. Instead, it's more likely to be a good soul on the inside, maybe a new starter, Robbie, I don't, who knows, mm. that thinks they're doing the right thing, that are trying to do the right thing, but are unwittingly opening the door, you know, lowering the portcullis or, or raising the portcullis and letting the bad guys in. It, it's unwitting insider threat that is equally dangerous, Jake.
2: Yeah, that's a great, great point. We all talk about the insider threat being the bad egg who has got those malicious intent ideas that they want to take company down. But of course you're right, there are so many of us that are wanting to support the company and unwittingly taking it down by, by offering information out on social media or clicking through phishing emails and incorrectly jeopardizing the company that they're they're working for. And I think those staff need that education from the outset, from their very first day. You know, we all get the, when we go to a new building, this is where the fire exits are. This is where the toilets are. It should also be in that same handbook around a basic cybersecurity. Not in a way that it's just, oh, just so boring. I've seen this time and time again. But really show what the impact can be, maybe to give an example of a situation that's happened in the past, because it's only then that people realise, okay, this is actually a big deal. Me highlighting on social media about anything to do with the company might actually be the missing piece in the jigsaw to a threat actor who is actively trying to take that company out. And so I think so many companies really need to hone in on their biggest asset, their employees, who are, who are brilliant. And yes, they might go and take out phishing exercises on people, but it's about educating those people that may go and click on those links. Of course, we don't want to go and point the finger at those people or, or wave a P45 at anyone who might go and click on one of those links we really need to just hone in and spend some time with those people and make them really aware of it I also want to add that it's not just about people though. there are there's the idea around compromised IOT devices mm. and so more and more we're seeing people work from home like I say but if they are especially with Christmas or with birthdays they're going to have an influx of these devices coming into their home with smart capabilities they might come with the default Admin or password passwords that can be compromised and be used to maybe get into the home network or or be used in all sorts of attacks and, and botnets attacks. So I think we all need to upskill in these areas. That might come down to security by design, but it, it does show that we we've jumped so far in the last ten years. We've just gone straight into running, and there are so many people who are still left there walking, going, "I'm actually oblivious." what's going on and maybe I need some help. And if it goes on any longer without that help, they'll be too afraid to ask. And by that time, it's possibly too
1: late. I think that uh, one of the other challenges that I think will change is that because the consequences to the organization is becoming much more severe, I think we're going to get to a place where consequences for individuals of, say, clicking that link, Four times, as in, you know, how many times does someone have to prove to you that they're representing a risk to the organization? Because they'll click anything. That, that that someone goes and has a conversation with that person, and there has to be consequences. And likewise, I think with the most severe types of insider threat, where someone takes a database and a- absolutely leaks that to a, a third party, there has to be consequences related to the disciplinary book and. That's, I think, the next phase that we're going into. You have a a dual scenario where uh, the actual risks, the human risk within the organization is being faced up to a department or individual level. And then there is real-world pragmatic approaches that would deal with it. That requires a more mature uh, executive team. But I do believe, due to the outrageous side effects of having a breach that that is a natural consequence of moving forward with uh, cyber security in most organizations.
0: And to your point about personalization and you know you spoke about netflix and instagram and Thanks. the great lengths towards many media firms go to to tailor their content to the individual picking up on whatever signals they can get to try and engage them in the content that they're showing them whether they've subscribed to it or whether it's advertising it's that same sort of mindset that you need in a way when you're trying to create engaging content for cyber security awareness training for example but also the threats you know you you mentioned about the, the different types of maybe innocence, somewhat innocent in uh, person within an organisation. They're going to have different types of attack depending upon where they are so your c-suite you know your big bosses are going to have different types of attack going against them versus a secretary or versus somebody with privileged access to databases and so on so tailoring it and understanding the different types of threat the different types of risk that each one of those roles potentially has is is key to understanding and creating that content
1: absolutely and i think Insider threat is a phrase in the IT industry that has been around for the last 15 years. It's quite common. It's not new. But what I think is happening is that the approach to it now is having to become more sophisticated. We had, 10 years ago, a once-a-year PowerPoint presentation delivered by somebody from IT security, for same for everybody, and, and people just you know suffered it. And got to the other side of it, and, and you know, tick the box. Now we are in a situation where both in people's private lives, their families, the corporation, even the government, have this unbelievable threat. I mean, if you look at the the major threats to the uh, human species in the top five consistently is cyber threat. That's where we're at now. It's it's like a it's a threat to our existence. And again, if you go back again five years, and people said a pandemic or a flu would would have done the the, the sort of damage that has happened in the last two years, yeah, really? Do we really believe that? And, and I think cyber threat is is another thing that, unfortunately, governments turn a blind eye to. In in certain parts of the world, military organizations are involved with, so it's quite, you know, serious and and scaled up. So. I think we're at the beginning of a new change where you really do have to look at the human being and say, how do we put something forward here that they can be a positive contributor to the good, that they know where where they exist in this overall situation of combatants, where you might have somebody within the organization that is acting against the interests of the organizations and that they would see that behavior and maybe, you know, pointed out to somebody and, and i think that's a piece of work that's going to take us for the next 10 years
0: so i i think what we're doing today is is building up this picture of what an insider threat actually is. We've got the malicious insider. We've spoken about them. We've spoken about the innocent insider who might be being manipulated by an outsider. Jake, you spoke about the Internet of Things device that might get compromised and, and enable insider malicious activities. What other types of insider threat can we establish just so that we know what it is that we're trying to protect against. Jake, anything that springs to mind for you?
2: Yeah, I've I've always thought about the begrudged employee, you know, that those ones that have had enough with the company and thought, you know what, if I can't take anything down with this company in anything physically, I'm going to take data with me and give it to my new employer who may have already requested that. I've heard of this before where Mm -hmm. new employers have said, oh, on your way out, do you mind uh, taking some particular documents with you? Of course, this is illegal and they they should not be doing this, but people do. They think nothing of it sometimes, but it's the begrudged one that just wants to do some sort of damage to their current employer um, on their way out to the next one. And that can have damaging consequences Um, especially when that data gets into the wrong hands. There's also, actually, I want to mention that people can make huge mistakes with things like USBs or unencrypted laptops left on trains. I know (laughs) we've joked about this in the past, where people might leave their laptop on a train, in a cab. Maybe it's someone of extreme importance, like MPs, for example. Mm -hmm. But we've seen it, and it it happens all the time when people are, are just waylaid with their items the i mean a usb which is not encrypted that's left somewhere maybe it says on it highly private or whatever you know of course that could be an exercise from a company trying to see if one of their employees is going to stick it in the company machines but yes. also it can actually be private information again in the wrong hands could be could be absolutely damaging talking about huge threats from from other countries you know you know, this is where we're we're getting into the realms of state actors and so yeah. on. But it is a possibility. And so I think it should be absolute default that any data that is uh, going out on physical devices such as USBs and hard drives and laptops are all, always full disk encrypted.
0: And as well as those devices, as well as those uh, begrudged employees, Robbie, then you've also got in, in many large organizations, you've got other people who partners, supply chain, other people who provide services to your company, who in order to fulfill their role, have access to privileged information, potentially have access to systems.
1: Absolutely, and I think even more so now because uh, we have systems like Teams and Slack, Zoom, where you're having this virtual environment where these teams are merging together and they could be in different countries different organizations. I think that'll speed that, that process up. So who you work with, that supply chain is critical. And to what extent their cyber hygiene is being implemented really reflects on you because if someone breaches their controls, if someone within their organization is a problem, is an insider threat, maybe your data is much more valuable than the data within their own a parent company. And I think you're seeing a, a greater focus on this because it's, interestingly, it's easier to, you know, go and hold a vendor uh, with a contract to a higher standard than it is to hold your own staff, believe it or not, because you say, you know, contractually, you will do this contractually, you will do this. And, you know, you put sufficient warranties and sufficient uh, liabilities in in that that contract that, actually, the vendor goes, well, we better go and have this particular team. You have the concept of data sovereignty where basically, where before the cheaper supplier could be anywhere in the world. Sometimes now, if you do apply proper information security or data protection uh, best practices, you would say, well, actually, it has to be within these sovereignties that I'm happy about. And there is a situation where the further your your supply chain goes, and the more that that data is processed off into the mists, the much more uh, problematic it is for your for your customers. I recently booked a hotel in the Middle East, and not long afterwards, um, had a spearfish fishing attempt from the hotel with details that only uh, someone who, who worked within the hotel, very reputable hotel, I'm very happy with them, but it, it just shows you that in different societies, the the level of reward for data is significant that it would elicit always illegal behaviours from from certain people. So I think that your supply chain and in the future, the supply chain will become really, really critical to be at the same level of diligences as you have with your own staff, or maybe higher. Are
0: there challenges around that? I mean, you know, we've spoken about over the last couple of decades, m- maybe longer, but the, the, the rise in outsourcing, many functions that might once upon a time have been fulfilled within an organisation have been outsourced for, for, for cost often to, to, to other workforces in, in other jurisdictions. But are there sometimes some sensitivities in... Investigating in, in in talking about maybe some shortfalls in in security in those circumstances.
1: I think it, it has become a real hot potato for purchasing departments, for contract departments, for cybersecurity insurance. Very keen on where do you process your data, what your supply chain look like. So it's getting an enormous amount of scrutiny, and as a result, I think will evolve into something where here's your pricing, if you want this level of tiered pricing and you want data only processed in your country, um, then it's this price. But if you're happy to have it processed or dealt with via these other channels, then it's a different price. I, I think that that will naturally become a business issue. I mean, if we go back to the, the the insider threat, David, I think you have another area that is a challenge for people, and that is the the group of people that there is in every organization that wears their ignorance of IT like a badge of honour on their sleeves, and they're quite proud of it. And I suppose if you really look at the, you know, the computing power on our desktops, the computing power in people's homes now that we have given them to do their job, and the amount of data that belongs to the organisation and the connectivity to information assets in the organisation, it's it's eye wateringly worrying, but. You then have these people that sort of think, well, you know, I'm not a computer geek and h- how am I supposed to know? But you wouldn't allow a behavior like that for a forklift driver. You wouldn't allow somebody who maybe crashed the forklift into the office a couple of times to get into the forklift truck a third time. It would be inconceivable. So, you know, you, you have that sort of deliberate dumbass type behavior with IT that, again, we have not evolved a suitable response to that. And I think what you're going to find again more within organization is certification becoming a thing, very much like a driving license, like a forklift truck license. You shouldn't really get to this level of access unless you've passed these particular gateways. I think, again, for me, we're we're in the lowlands of, of, of this travel where we, we haven't reached the upside of, of the demands, but It's clear that the world isn't going back to bricks and mortar, keypad doors, sections of the building at other people. That's gone. We're sort of utterly distributed. I suppose the answers to it lie in how we elicit people's support and also how we evolve their behaviour.
0: We're not going back to bricks and mortar, although looking in in our respective backgrounds... (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Plenty of those here. I'm yes. not going to lie. And you talk about a journey there, Robbie. Unfortunately, we aren't nearing the end of our journey for today. But so let's let's start to summarise a little bit. Insider threats—they come from both inside and outside. Some are deliberate; some are less so. It's a complex picture, is the bottom line. And I think my my good old fashioned castle analogy is uh, is much more preferable uh, than this complex picture we've painted today so what do we do about that what can leaders those in charge of protecting jake our crown jewels if you like what can leadership do to protect their prized assets mm-hmm. keep them safe from these insider threats however you define them
2: you say it's a complex picture. It's a complex answer. Um, there's no, <laughs> there is definitely no simple solution here. And I think we've covered a few points, maybe taking up a vast section of this answer might be to do with the right training. And like we've talked about gamifying it, making it interesting, making it really stick in people's minds and make them discuss it. More difficult if we're all going to be working from home, but definitely for those in the office and in the office days, we're still going to see team building, I'm sure, and I hope so. It can be part of a, a great team building exercise to get people around a tabletop exercise in something fun with an actual purpose gets us all talking, gets us thinking about it. But then there are other ways maybe to heighten their vetting, to discuss people's social media throughout their training process, not necessarily before they join, but just to say, look, we we had a quick look and found that you're quite open to a few things here. It might be worth for the business, as well as yourself, to be just a little bit more privacy focused. I think we're seeing this with Apple at the moment. They're really trying to make people more privacy aware, which is fantastic. You could argue that's for their own sake, but also it does really help people understand why we need to be keeping that private and sensitive information private in the first place.
0: And Robbie, what, what's your advice to to leaders, people in charge of, of protecting their good stuff to make sure that insiders stay inside and inside data stays inside and we can avoid some of these threats?
1: We talked about the crown jewels earlier. I think it's identify what are your crown jewels, what are your key pieces of information asset, and then protect that uh, you know, we're, we're falling back from the first wall, you know, in, in the, the the second film of Lord of the Rings, you know, we're falling back into the, the first being breached, we're coming back to the second wall, and we're going to protect the things that we can protect. And then what we're going to do is try and engage users so that they know that, look, this is serious. There are consequences if, if this gets breached, which is bad for everybody, that's increase our sensitivity levels. And I suppose, recognize, don't be naive, don't indulge in wishful thinking, that there is a, a group within every you know, human uh, team, human organization that pose a risk to the integrity of that crown jewels, of that data. And you have to take the necessary steps to protect it.
0: Gentlemen? We are out of time, I'm afraid. Thank you very much indeed, like we've acknowledged. I think there's a lot of moving parts to this conversation, but I think we've done a a pretty good job of trying to cover exactly what the threats are, where they can come from, and give ourselves the best fighting chance of of protecting against them. Mm -hmm. Jake, really good to chat to you today. Where can people find out more about you and what you get up to?
2: Okay, well, I am always on my LinkedIn and my Twitter account. And I also write all of my research and fun little quips on uh, our blog site, which is welivesecurity.com.
0: Super stuff. Uh, Look forward to following you on those social media channels. Don't go posting too much personal information on the phone. (laughs) And Robbie, I take it your Cybersecurity for Dummies book has everything we need to know about protecting an organisation from insider threats?
1: Absolutely. I think it's an excellent aid for people that are starting out that really need guide to take this issue seriously to deal with the human factor of information security or if you have an existing program in place this is a brilliant playbook for your exec team it keeps everybody on track and provides essentially a campaign guide to take you forward in the next few years
0: sounds like a good plan listen thank you very much indeed for joining us today jake thank you thank you and robbie thank you very much for joining us as well it's a pleasure And look forward to seeing you all next time. Bye-bye for now.